This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. subscribe. If you leave us a review, we will love it. I want to thank the listeners. And also, if you have an author you'd like us to interview, please email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. And I will reach out to them because I have no problem talking to any human. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so um, I'm your host today. Uh, my co-host is Valerie Willis. Hi. Her official formal title on her Zoom. I'm not going to ask why she's doing that but whatever and then our guest today is sarah ray horner okay super exciting um let's talk about what we're drinking and i get to plug our sponsor right now because i'm drinking whiskey road which is straight bourbon whiskey this is the first batch the first barrel bottle 97 i feel super fancy for having it so i'm gonna have a little bit of that and not too much because it is actually the afternoon and I will end up on the floor. Um, day drinking. Yes, day drinking. And I'm also, just so that I do this the right way, going to have some of my Krabby's alcoholic ginger beer. Oh. Anyway, oh. They're not a sponsor. But if you um, check out skunkbrotherspirits.com, coupon code DWA10, you'll get um, 10% off and you can have some Whiskey Road. Which is really, really amazing. It's straight bourbon whiskey, so it's good. Okay. It looks beautiful. What are you drinking today? I I am taking it easy. I'm having Southern New England's Southern Pecan coffee with Southern Pecan creamer because I'm just pecaning it up (laughs) today. And then everyone on this podcast listening will realize that it doesn't matter if I drink alcohol or not. I'm always a hot mess. (laughs) Oh no. It's fine. It's fine. I, you should see me on panels. <laughs> I am sure you're a delight. Yeah, she is delightfully weird. That is what I she ask people like. if they need a nap and they raise their hands. And I'm like, all right, we're all, we're all, <laughs> we're all feeling it today. <laughs> oh, totally get that. Okay, Sarah, what are you drinking? Well, today I am drinking, um, I have a bottle of uh, J-Lore Cabernet from 2018. Um, I chose this because it's one of my favorite, just kind of hanging out and drinking wines. And J-Lore maintains a residence here in South Dakota, which is where I live. So I was like, oh, that's, you know, so. That's kind of awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, cheers, cheers to you. <laughs> okay. So um, we are fortunate enough to um, ha- have met you and know you from your amazing podcast. Well, thank but- you. Um, let's do a little bit about you as a writer. So, um, why don't you tell this lovely audience about your writing? What do you write? Hello, lovely audience. Um, so I'm Sarah and I write a lot of different things. My career has been wide and varied and I've written everything from articles on Forbes to I've ghostwritten books. Um, but what you might know me for is for two things, my podcast, uh, well, one of my podcasts, which is called the right now podcast with Sarah Werner. And I talk about writing. And then I also have girl in space, which is a sci-fi audio drama. So it's a fictional podcast. It's completely scripted. Um, it's got, uh, voiced characters, music, explosions, all the good things. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's what I've been writing. Oh my gosh. That is, a, now I'm jealous actually. <laughs> She's like, I want explosions in my, explosions my writing. Characters. I say Do that to drink a bunch of this whiskey and I'm going to be like, what did I say? So we'll take what- notes. You started in writing. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's do Scooby Doo. I love this. Let's time travel to the beginning of your writing career. What? Where? Where do we begin? So we begin uh, when little Sarah is very young and is not allowed to watch TV, and what? so. <laughs> That's one way to start, I guess, right? Yep, yep. So that that was the deal. It's I could not watch TV, but I could read anything I wanted to. And we lived three blocks away from the library. So that's where we begin. 
It was really wow, nice. I like that beginning. Thank libraries you. are amazing. Libraries. Files. Now they have everything is electronic, but I miss a little through the card file. You can see that if you're watching the YouTube. That's why. It's the card file version of the jazz hands. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, so I uh, grew up at a library, you know, I did story time and everything. And I, I feel that, you know, whatever type of media you consume, I think that if you're a creative person, at some point you entertain the idea of creating that type of media. And so, you know, I was reading books and so I started writing books and um, they were, uh, very disturbing as my teachers informed my parents, um, we're talking like rivers of blood and stuff. And I was like, yeah, six. Yeah. 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 That's, that's me. Is that, all, is that all of, do we share this? Yeah. 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 Okay. My, it wasn't me, but my son's this way. I didn't get into the dark stuff until my creative writing course in 11th grade, where it was very violent, depressive. Uh, teen angst uh, poetry. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, see, so that's the good stuff. Writes disturbing, like murdering creatures. It's like he's into the whole SCP thing and all that jazz. Oh, see, if that would have been around when I was that, I probably would have done that. But I, I was doing like weird, um, really dark fan fiction of like the boxcar children. So it's like, oh, let's just put some murders into this. <laughs> I've never said this on this podcast before, but one of the things I was not a huge fan of homework mm. ever. Like I just was not a huge fan of homework. I don't know that there's a lot of people that are, but I was like, how do I get the grade I need to pass this class without actually having to do homework? And I was very lucky. There was a history teacher that let me do extra credit when I was in high school. And so for the record, my high school career ended in 1991. So that gives you a, we didn't have the internet in full regalia at that time so you had to go card file um and i did this entire report for my history class on serial killers <gasps> and it scared the shit out of my teacher like how descriptive i was everything like that and it wasn't from you know a lot of people are say they're f fans of true crime which doesn't mean we like the violence or anything it's just fascinating and it's more you know, I could write, I do write horror stuff, but I could take something that actually happened and write it in a book as fiction and people wouldn't believe it. They'd go, this is too unreal. And I'm like, no, this actually happened in Wyoming. So thank you. Like, but I wrote that and he was oh, yeah. like, he gave me an A, which brought my grade <laughs> up where I needed to be. And um, he was like, I would like you to do homework in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no more extra credit you cool 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 and my mom got a call and she was like what did you write and i gave it to her and she's like where did you find all this out and i'm like in the library library but yeah so that was my experience so um as a six-year-old writing disturbing stories and getting in trouble with teachers then how did it evolve from there um, kind of the same, same old. Um, I <laughs> later on, uh, when I was in, I think seventh grade, I remember I was allowed to watch star Wars for the first time. And this is like, you know, the original star Wars, my next door neighbor had them in like a little VHS box set. And I was like, and it was like really my first viewing of anything science fiction. And I'd been reading a lot of it, but this was the first time I saw it like moving in front of my face. And it was like, so freaking magical. So that, you, you might say that had a big impact on me. Um, and I started writing, I, I think it was probably essentially fan fiction again, um, for star Wars, but you know, like, like slightly like OC, like, Oh, I have an, I have some original characters and they're on their own adventure, but it's a lot like star Wars. Um, so yeah, I wrote that we had an Apple classic two with, you know, the sort of like rectangular screen with like the little, little hard disk drive. And, uh, wrote my first novel on that, uh, which was on like a million of those little, little discs. I, so. I did the same thing and lost it. In <gasps> Me too. I was about to say, and then the, the files got corrupted and now it's gone forever. And I'm kind of glad because no, you know, it made, it made me not write for a while, unfortunately, but man, was that garbage. Like it was, you know, a dark stormy night. It was terrible. It, it was like a horrible 
thing that happened there. <laughs> so I'm the only weirdo who bought a, a floppy disk drive to to transfer my files of my old writing and then had printouts that I, love I gave this. to my friends to hold on to. So I got them back when I graduated and moved out of my mom's. And I'm like, what is this? And they're like, it's a story you wrote. And I love it. It was one of my favorites. And I'm like, I don't remember writing this. Okay, that's amazing. The things that you don't remember writing. Like, who am I? What aspect of me is this? Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I have a I have a story graveyard that I'll go into every now oh. and then and be like, oh, what's oh, what kind of day was I having here? What the hell was this? Like sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're really dark. And I'm like, Yeah. Really you know, dark or like trying too hard or you know, just just not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. So okay, so we wrote a novel and lost it. Similar mm-hmm. stories. I love it. Then what's the next phase? The next phase um, was, let's see, I went to college and I took a whole bunch of writing and and literature classes and I totally lost my love for writing and reading. Um, That'll do that sometimes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting experience because, you know, I grew up like loving books, like worshiping books and authors were like sacred, holy priests, like the authors were always my heroes and like then to go to college and they're like okay yes you can you too can be a writer and here's how so you need to start with small short stories of a literary fashion and you need to submit those to this journal and this journal and this journal and so I started writing those literary stories and it was so boring. It was so boring because I'm a genre person. I love reading mysteries. I love sci-fi. I love paranormal romance, like anything genre. If it's not genre, I'm kind of not interested in reading it to be like the, the anti-snob maybe. I don't know. Or maybe that's a snobbery in its own way. Um, we, yeah. we, we approve, so we're fine. Okay. Okay, we'll just we'll just approve here. I have half naked dudes on my covers, so you're winning. You're winning yeah, at life. I think some of them are actually naked; they're just cut off. <gasps> yeah, but anyway, moving on. Yeah. Mainly to Val. Do you see what happens? I love when she opens the door for these conversations, and then I get to, to exploit it every time. It's not fair. I don't have anything on you except for the one time that you had what the Skunk Brothers apple pie or whatever, moonshine or and you were like, me and Charles, I think it was Charles Gannon, we're like, are you okay, <laughs> It was great. I love that Gal's telling this story and in order to even get this story, you're going to have to go back and watch a Charles Gannon episode. Okay, okay, I'm okay with that. I know, it was terrible. It's not a good storytelling right there. There was this thing and there's apple pie and then there's Charles Gannon and it Just was go back to the funny. second Charles Gannon episode and watch <laughs> and watch and listen. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very and, excited. Okay. Anyway, so you, so yeah. you become a literary writer and you hate every moment of mm-hmm. it. Then mm-hmm. what is next? Then I wait 10 years and I don't write anything. And then um, I get involved with a digital online only Dungeons and Dragons group. And this was with some friends from college. Um, I'm trying to remember, we used one of those really old chat clients, like a, like a, um, like a mud kind of client. I don't even the age of the mud. Yes. Like it was before it was before Skype. It was before all of that stuff. Um, before discord, before Slack. I had a 9,600 baud modem and used chat rooms. What? What's up? Backslash move in. Nobody knows what that sound is anymore. And I feel, oh, moving on. Okay. So it's okay to feel. So yeah, online D&D. And um, we could get bonus points, well, bonus XP or experience points uh, for our characters if we wrote little backstories for them. And I was like, okay, I'll write a little backstory for my little character. And um, I did, and I couldn't stop. Like, I couldn't stop writing once I started. I was like, I don't know. I have ADHD, so I can also hyper-focus. And so I think that was part of it. Uh, but the other part of it was I realized how much of myself was missing when I wasn't writing. And so I ended up writing not only a backstory, but I think, oh gosh, 14 or 15 chapters 
um, about, about my character and her adventures. And that really reminded me that I love writing. So, yep. Got my, uh, see, and I, and I write by hand too, because I've had so many things lost, uh, digitally. And so just having my little scribbly notepad wherever I go and yeah, making sure I'm hey, doing it. If it's the first draft, anything is game. Once <laughs> you get, you just get it out. That's what's important. And, and it must've felt like a, I, cause I talk about tribulations and that, mm-hmm. you know, when someone decides to be an author or go into writing full time, no one talks about the in-between, right? Where we walk away from it for not just for like a couple of weeks, we're talking years. years. And, and I did the same thing. Like it took me from the time I started to the time that I finished the first draft of Rebirth, it took me 13 years. But in that 13 years was almost like a eight year, eight years I didn't touch it mm-hmm. um, because life, yep. you know, and, and my focus redirected and then someone came back in or something sparks it again. And, um, and there's some, like you said, it's, you realize you were missing a piece of yourself. And I, I love that you had, you said, made that comment because it, it really does. That's, that's when you know you're hooked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the record, Rebirth is going to be republished <gasps> here shortly because Rebirth was something Valerie wrote in it's high school and it needed a little editing, needed a little couple little tweaksy poos to go into, yeah, just like the whole thing needed to be tweaked. Anyway, it's fine because it's a three-part series and it's going to be re-released, but that's what she's talking about. Anybody's listening. You know, what's interesting though, is we, um, we got to talk about this on your podcast right now, but um, I think one of the things is people don't prioritize their writing. Mm. Mm. Like there's Mm. one thing that can make us upset. Like when I lost the books that I wrote, I was like devastated. I didn't write for years and I don't even know how many years I didn't write. And then I started writing again, but I realized even when I was writing again, like it took me eight years to publish my home on Whore Island, which is my first novel that Mm. got published, quotation marks. I had short stories, but it was my first like standalone novel that got published. And it took eight years, but it didn't take eight years to write it. We say that it didn't take 13 years to write Rebirth. Like it doesn't take that long to actually write the book. It's making the time and prioritizing writing in your life to allow that to occur because you have to, the only way the story gets written is if you actually write it. That sounds so dumb, but most people can't even find 20 minutes of their day to sit down and write. But if you think about it, you spend a lot of time on other things. Like I love TV. I love movies. I quote movies all the time. Like I, my boyfriend teases me all the time because he'll, he'll hear a line in a movie that we're watching. He's like, you're going to use that again. (laughs) You're as well you should i'm going to use that again see on your <laughs> podcast i was bringing fetch back like i will absolutely use these lines again but i think that you have to go instead of spending 30 minutes watching a television program i'm going to spend 30 minutes writing and you have to build it into your routine so it becomes a habit mm. and if you want to be really successful you have to treat it like a job like you want to write full-time well that will be a full-time job friends pay attention so that means you actually have to make the time to write. It just doesn't work the other way. It's such so, a hard thing. Yeah. It, it is. Writing is hard. It's very hard. But the only person who can do it, because this is not something like you didn't do the laundry. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to do your laundry for you. And you need to do your laundry next time. I can't come mm-hmm. in and write the book for you. But I could. I mean, I suppose if I was a ghostwriter. But um, that's not going to accomplish you being a writer and writing your book. What I'm going to write is going to be your Erica's version of Sarah's book. That's what you're going to get. Not Sarah's version of Sarah's book. Yeah. So writing is hard. You have to do it every day. Let's talk about, do you have, you have novel published though, right? You have published stuff. I don't. Well, so I, all of the books I've published, um, are ghostwritten. So I did to like throw time. like a wrench into things. <laughs> <laughs> that, throws, that throws a wrench for me okay okay so tell us how you got into that and 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 your thoughts and feelings on it because I did it for a time and then I got frustrated and then I yep, pulled out thoughts and feelings so on I, I would for like ghostwriting to your, your story of go, how you got into ghostwriting and your thoughts and feelings on it Totally. So I was in, I always worked in um, like day jobs that were sort of writing adjacent. 
And so I was in marketing for 10 years, which is sort of kind of like getting paid to write a little bit, you know, you're writing ads and you're writing whatever else brochures and stuff, but it's like, you know, you're kind of writing and that's what I was used to. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to move in my career. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to write some more for real. And I kept telling myself I was going to write for real. So marketing for me, I realized, oh, I'm not writing for real because I'm not writing books. And so then I started ghostwriting books and it was frustrating because it was someone else's, someone else's name went on the cover. Um, my experience was very interesting, uh, for me, ghostwriting paid very well, which was kind of nice. And that allowed me to transition out of my day job and work for myself full time. Um, and yeah, but it's just, um, a, a lot of the books that I was writing were, um, sort of, of the personal guru kind of, you know, self-help kind of thing. And so I would sit down, people would tell me their story. I would take notes and then I would, um, ask them like, okay, how do you want this to sound? What do you want your writing voice to sound like? Do you want it to sound like, uh, Seth Godin or Malcolm Gladwell, or do you want it to sound like this person or this person? And they would say, oh, I want it to sound like this. And then I would take their information and I would write the book in the voice that they wanted, um, at a specific reading level. Um, it, it just ended up getting very, so I was writing a lot, but I wasn't like nurturing my soul with that. Like words were coming out, but it wasn't like satisfying in the way that writing my own stuff was. And I realized that when I was getting paid to write other people's stuff, it really ate up the energy for my own creative stuff. And so it wasn't really until, gosh, I fully transitioned out of my day job that I started Girl in Space, which ended up then being um, sort of the project that allowed me to continue full-time. Wow. So, yeah, well, no, when I, when I, yes, ghostwriting is very frustrating, especially if you haven't been publishing your own stuff often. Uh, it's like a and, slow death, you know? Right, right. And I, and I set up rules and I don't know how similar this was for you, but like, I would not take on a job for a thing I would write personally that mm, was like see that's smart that you're smarter than I was because I, I was like oh this will be easy for me because this is close to my heart and then I'm like I hate this forever no so uh, so and you're right it's great instant money but it hurts when you watch that novel go up and it's something you hated it didn't love or even loved and it's blowing up and you're like that could have been me Mm -hmm. And it's a terrible sensation. So if you're, it, it, yeah, no, I'm like, after a couple, like every time they were going up and they were just topping the charts, like one has still to this day is in the top 100 for its category. Congrats. And that came out in 2017. So I <sighs> this is my feeling on ghostwriting. Yeah. Because I haven't done ghostwriting, but I have many emotions regarding ghostwriting. And now that I've had whiskey, I have whiskey and emotions, sorry, Ooh. bourbon and emotions regarding ghostwriting. Here is my problem with ghostwriting. I can understand if there's a celebrity or somebody who needs assistance with their story because they, they're not a writer and they don't know how to tell their story. Yeah. I am fine if you're helping guide somebody in their journey to write something, whether it's a technical manual, a business manual, whatever, right? Because some people can't, are just not writers and they can't tell their story. However, this is underlined, you know, italicized, bolded. Go on. I think ghostwriting is actually a bit of a shitty bait and switch mm -hmm. because if I'm following an author, I'm following the author because I like their voice. And if it's not actually their voice and it's somebody else's voice, it's not okay with me. I am totally fine if you're co-writing with somebody or they mention co-written by, you know, you can have, and not that she did this, so I'm just throwing the name out, Michelle Obama, co-written by Eric Lance. That right. didn't happen. Nobody get excited. But I'm just saying like, that's okay, but I feel like ghostwriting is a bit of a um, like crappy thing because the person who's doing it is not getting the money, accolades, acknowledgement for their actual art. It's almost like I went, look at this Picasso. Picasso didn't actually paint it. He just went and signed his autograph to it, and Erica Lance painted it. Like, that's not fair. 
Like, I think it's a bit of my personal opinion is if you can't write the book yourself and you're not willing to acknowledge the co-writer for helping you write the book. But I know a lot of people who are successful at self-publishing are marketing people who go find ghostwriters to write their books for them. Not everybody. Yeah. But then they can put out 20 books a year. Why? Because they're not fucking writing any of those books. They have other people writing their books for them. And I go, that is demoralizing. And as an artist, I would hate to do any kind of art, painting, sculpting, whatever, and have some other fucking person come and put their name on it. Like I've written blog posts for companies I've worked for or policies or procedures and then had somebody go put their fucking name on it. And I'm like, you, I'm swearing a lot, I'm sorry. You motherfucker. You didn't write this. It's this so is your fucking idea. The emotional Erica today. I like this. I let her talk. I gave all that. I have a lot of emotions regarding this because I don't think it does justice to the people that are doing the writing. There is no reason. The profits with that person that did the writing for you. And I don't mean just paying them. I mean, share the money you are earning. Mm. I think ghostwriting is fucking terrible. My biggest mistake was at least not putting in a gratuity clause. Oh. And And that is something they don't talk about. And they won't warn you about in the industry. But like I said, there's not a reason, especially when it comes to fiction work biographies you're doing a service those people don't necessarily know they are professionals at what they do not necessarily writing nor do they have a need to learn the professional way of writing that's one thing and usually those you still get some credit in the copyright as written by Mm. blah 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 but ghostwriting fiction you're not allowed to share that you did it. You're not allowed to ever use those samples. The most you can put on a resume is you ghost wrote for X amount of years and you have you can't prove or disprove it. And people, depending who you're dealing with, it is a it is a crapshoot. It drove mm-hmm. me crazy. But one thing that one thing okay. that drove me crazy was I had an author asked to be on the Right Now podcast, and I was like, "Sure, I'll do an interview." I'm looking for authors. Like, you're kind of a big name. Like, yeah, heck. And I had this person on my show, and I was um, running through the interview, and it kept getting weirder and weirder because I was asking, like, "What is your favorite part of the writing process? What do you love about writing?" And like, this person was just getting like more distant and cagey and it took me a, it took me longer than it should have for me to realize this person is not the actual, this person did not write this book. And it just like hit me near the end of the interview. And I was like, you had somebody ghostwrite this because you cannot answer any of my questions. And so hence where Erica gets her passion on this. I don't think people should, <laughs> I think it's understandable if it is a celebrity or a corporate person Mm-hmm. and you're doing it because they're going to data dump information or you're pulling stories, I would like them to give you credit, but I understand sometimes from a public relations aspect why not to give you credit, although more and more they are giving credit to people that assist them, and yay for those celebrities and those okay. people that are doing it, but I think it's deceptive and bullshit. Exactly the point you have is that you didn't write it. I worked for somebody who was writing, having a book ghost written, and he asked me to review it for him. And I was like, what is this? This isn't even the things you say. Like, oh. this doesn't make sense. There are no examples, blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing, the whole project got scrapped because of me and another person basically saying that to them. And I was like, this, anyway, I have many emotions. We're not going to go over it too much more because it's your podcast and I won't talk about it, but don't give away your art for somebody else. It's not worth it because they are never going to exchange with you for what you're doing at all. Yeah. Period. Well, and earlier you were talking about, you know, most people don't have the time to write, or maybe they're not making the time to write. You could say the same thing about their energy. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm ghostwriting uh, for my full-time job and all of my creative energy goes there. I don't have any, any, any energy but that's hard to say. I don't have any energy left for my own creative work. I'm burned and out. That is terrible to me. Cause again, like Val, and I'm sure like you, you get, you watch these books rise and people are like, you know, what sucks too is 
And this happened with some of the other stuff. I've never ghostwritten fiction, but the policies and somebody goes, oh my God, I'm so glad this policy it really explains and makes things and this other person's names on it. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's great. Isn't that the way that just happened? It's, <gasps> it's infuriating. Like if somebody was talking, if that ghostwriter who's on your show, if you're listening and you're the one that wrote that book and she's like, well, it just came to me in a dream and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, no it did not. Did. Yeah. No, it did not. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I have another story and this oh, is not going to yeah. sound true. Yes. This story is time. It's not going to sound time. true. Okay. But it is true. It's extremely true. Let's hear so, okay. You know, I, I have people who, and you probably get this too, people who are like, Hey, I want to be on your show. Can we set up a time? You know, here's what I've written a person who, so I, I had done some ghostwriting through another company, like, so through a third party, it wasn't like necessarily like, Hey, Sarah Warner's going to write your book. Um, and I got an email from somebody whose book I had ghostwritten. That is awesome. And they wanted to, they're like, I really had a blast writing this book and I'd love to talk about it on your show with your audience. And I just, I was like, I wrote your book. I wrote your book. I wrote your book. And it, it's like, oh my God, see the evil bitch in me would have fucking <laughs> interviewed the shit out of that motherfucker <laughs> and ruin their fucking day. That's what I would have done. That's who I am. I would have been like, let's talk about your inspiration, you motherfucker. Yeah. Word yeah. choice friend, here. Yeah. 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 And, and I get the similar sensation. Uh, because the first book I ever ghost wrote, I I I hated, I hated, I hated the premise so much. But it has over 4,400 reviews. And it's a hold on. 4.3 stars. Oh my gosh. Oh, she spoke to my heart. It's like she was there. You know, I met her at a conference and I'm like, uh. So again, yeah. And we need to so. take a quick break. Okay. Do not fucking ghostwrite. Do not give away your creativity. Do not give away your magic. And don't give away your stories to someone who is not going to credit you at all for the creativeness that you did. And that's what I'm going to say right now before I get worked up more. And we will be right back with Drinking with Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. We're back and I'm calm down about my ghostwriting. We're going to move on from there. So let's talk about Girl in um, Space. Okay. Thanks, Sal. So fucking glad you're here. <laughs> This is through you for a complete see? loop. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have several co-hosts. I have like <laughs> five or six different co-hosts that come on on different shows. Valerie is the only one that has literally zero self-control. She's already fucking interrupting again. No matter what I say, she's like, let me just say, let me talk about manatees. And I'm like, Man what are you doing? <laughs> hey, this time I made sure no snacks were within reach. 
I will not be crunching on chips and be like popcorn. <laughs> like I, I get so enamored with what the author's saying. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> and she's eating, and I'm like, we can hear you eating chips. I gotta and he's like, yes. <laughs> just emphatic crunching that's okay and then when I get drunk and I'm <laughs> and I'm trying to keep quiet or keep myself from answering I also shove food in my mouth <laughs> if you listen to my podcast she says take the grapes from her now take them because she's she's literally answering and she's like yeah it's a blue you can't at the same Time. I'll be quiet now. I'll be quiet. I'll okay. behave. Okay, Sarah, do you even remember the question at this point? Because well, it was it, I. I heard half of your question, and I heard Val say, "Tell me about Girl in Space." So, what would you like to happen? Let's talk about Girl in Space. Okay. Val, shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Girl in Space. Okay. So yeah, so Girl in Space is a fictional audio drama about a girl in space. Um, it is, uh, I started podcasting in 2014 with the right now podcast and realized I loved it, uh, moved over from blogging to podcasting, fell in love a few years later, realized, Hey, I could like be reading my fiction here. And then I don't have to like find an agent or like go through a publisher. I could just like read my stuff on a podcast feed. And so I started writing the script for episode one, um, wrote it, recorded it. Uh, puts tried my hand very horribly at doing like sound effects and sound design learned a lot posted the first episode and due to luck and some changes that apple was making so this is back when we had itunes and not apple podcasts um completely just blew up and it appeared on the front page of itunes at the time uh this is also the same time that spotify was launching um its podcasting arm and they saw girl in space on the homepage of apple and wanted to feature girl in space on spotify and i think at the time you know they did that for a number of reasons but um, I think one of the reasons was just, I know in your episode with me on the right now podcast, we were talking about the importance of cover art and I'm not saying the girl in space cover art is great. It was just different because it's purple and pink and kind of sparkly. And like everybody else is doing true crime podcasts that are like black and red. And so this was just something different, something refreshing. It stood out and then everything took off. And then I realized I needed to write a second episode. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And I think people that don't give enough credit for great ideas and what people need at that time. So you can have a lot of luck with things too. There is luck that happens. And I think that's brilliant. I've written screenplays. I've written plays too. I think that's so much fun. And it's, it's a totally different kind, especially a radio. I love radio dramas, by the way. But I think that, um, and kind of what that is, but I think that it's so different because like when you write screenplays or plays, you can give cues, you can give scenery that help. But when you're talking about an audio drama, right? There's no, there's no visual cues that you have. You have to do so much stuff, which changes the storytelling. It does. So let's talk about the difference in storytelling between something like that and our fiction writing. So tell me. I love this. I love this question. Um, because so when you're writing audio, audio only, uh, you're going to focus on three things. You're going to focus on the dialogue. You're going to focus on the sort of sound effects and then your or sound effects are Foley. And then you'll, you're going to focus on your background sound, your ambiance, your music, all of that stuff. So there's kind of three layers that you're dealing with. And everything has to come out in one of those three layers. So it either needs to come out in dialogue, it needs to come out in Foley or sound effects. So the sound of footsteps, the sound of a gun firing, sound of a window breaking, whatever, or it needs to come out in the music or ambiance, which often will convey the mood, it'll set the tone. It's sort of like your, um, whatever you call it, when, when they like pan out on a building in New York City and like that sets the stage for a movie. I, I used to know what that was called and I don't anymore. Establishing shot, establishing shot. Establishing shot. I think people don't realize how much, because if you do music the right way or background sound, you don't hear it almost. Like you're not conscious of hearing it. 
and pointing and at you. I don't, yeah, I don't think people realize that because mm -hmm. if you take any, and I keep going back to horror genre because it's easy to talk about, or you can even romance scenes, but I'm going to start with horror drama. And if I played um, a campy, like happy song when the girl is creeping through the house trying not to alert somebody, totally changes sound versus creaking or like this ominous sound like you know when something bad's gonna happen and people don't consciously realize yeah. it's because of the sound that's playing in the background like it was funny I was talking to uh, I was talking to my boyfriend about this because we were re-watching all of Supernatural so I could get through season 15 which by the way anybody listening the first four episodes or five episodes are kind of fucking cheesy garbage but then it gets better it's it's hard i love supernatural i'm a supernatural yeah. fan but the first episodes i was like are they just going full camp with this entire thing and it seemed like it mm. and then they actually reined it into pretty good episodes so okay. and i had to rewatch all of them to get going and i'm like i'm gonna fin my boyfriend didn't finish it but at a couple times i muted the sound we do subtitles because of something happening and he's like watching the dialogue and the dialogue was not gonna be very scary unless you unmuted it and heard the you know going on in the background otherwise it was like yeah this is really dorky yeah <laughs> like that's it, true it, it, it goes if back to that doing, whole... not, like love i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> and you did uh like an ominous music as the kiss was leaning in like that was <laughs> any nicholas spark movie on the planet <laughs> um there, yeah, there is interrupting with there's a you <laughs> there's a youtube guy who takes scenes from <gasps> like movies and mm -hmm. redoes the music to different genres and plays that scene over to show how impactful i'll have to find it it is like the most glorious thing ever but it does and and it's in our writing we do that with the pacing and the sentence structure mm -hmm. like it's all in in a written format and in movies the music still plays a part and in um uh, even in video games like mm -hmm. alan wake mark yeend was the music director and he programmed it with the, the program that depending what task or how fast you were moving, the tempo of the music would shift. So it was like a evolving Stephen King kind of novel and story. If you haven't played it, it's, it's absolutely like, I can't finish it because I am not good. I do not write for it. That is Erica's genre. But it was like, I got to talk with him and it was really cool to find out that he had programmed each, each like each instrument had a part connected to the character and movement and actions um, that is so cool but that's how powerful so you choosing to go all in and audio is absolutely astounding for for storytelling and it does it it's probably one of those subconsciously impactful things and now you have to bring it all the way out yes yes and you have to do it in a way that's like clear because it's it can be very confusing for an audience if there's footsteps but they don't know whose footsteps they are how many pairs of footsteps are in a room how big the room is how small the room is there's just so many subtle things you have to design for you know oh how much echo am i going to put on this am i going to have one set of footsteps on the right side and one on the left um there's just there's and that's without even going into um exposition and how clunky that can be in dialogue Oh no, it, yeah. <laughs> that's what's, I think that's one of the things that's really fun about writing screenplays or plays too, is you become a dialogue fucking expert. Well, hopefully you become a dialogue Play. fucking expert. <laughs> and one of the things that I think people don't um, take enough advantage of when we're writing dialogue is actually having the conversation out loud. Yes. Whether yes. it's with someone else or if you have, everybody has friends of some kind. I don't care if it's a fucking phone call, email them what you're about to say and have them repeat it. Because one of the things I tell people is go to open mics with your work, whether anybody will fucking understand what you're saying or not. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Go there and read it out loud. Because as you read it out loud and you have that conversation as you're reading it, being the different characters, you will realize very quickly, nobody fucking talks like that. 
Like, I don't care who they are. It doesn't make sense. It's not a real thing. And don't put he said and she said after everything, or they said after every fucking line. Like, that drives me completely crazy. Oh, my God. And some people are great at describing scenery and other people are great at dialogue and some are great at both, but it's really interesting. You can tell where Mm -hmm. where people's talents kind of lie when you're reading a book and you're like, that is a conversation no one would have ever in the way in your head. And to show how impactful open mic and being able to read and, and you know, traveling into the audio variants of your book as a way of editing and improving your writing Nancy Springer was part of Orlando's open mic for many years. And now we know her as Enola Holmes and movie two is coming out. Like, (laughs) no big deal. I I can't, yeah, not a big deal. But if you want to, like, there's a great success story. She's 74 this year. So it's never, never too late to do open mic. It's never too late to, to write that story that hits Netflix. But you have to put it out there. You have to get it out there. And you got lucky because you were featured on the front. So what was the fallout after that? Like what you 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 hit the thought of crap, I have to keep this going. How did that, you know, how did you organize and prepare yourself for that? What an excellent question. Um, so I don't know if I'm sure that you've spoken with your readers before about plotters and pantsers and maybe something in between. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, good. No, we only, I used to ask that question, are you plotter pantser? And then I realized after many, many episodes, many, many episodes, there is, I don't think plotter and pantser is actually a clear definition. That would be like saying people are black or white mm. and not any other color, right? I know that I mean, it depends scary, on the story. Like whatever, but like there are people that do outlines. There are people that write ridiculous outlines that are longer than their fucking book because they can't get themselves under control. I love um, those people. There are people that do world Bibles. There are people like me who just go back and listen to the other fucking books and then start writing the next one in the series because that's who I am. I literally have a note. Like <laughs> I can show it on this because if you're if you look at the fucking how Erica cheats. This is this is how Erica cheats. It's literally how Erica cheats. Where did let my me see? Let me see. Let me see. Um, okay. I one of our authors said. Said. This is my character descriptions, handwritten on a page <gasps> for my Randy Michaels series. They're written in pink. It describes what I've said about them. That's it. By the way, Perfect. here's my world bible. Everybody paying fucking attention. There it is. And <laughs> one I, pager. One page. Because I'm a hundred percent a pantser. Like I don't do that and then as far as chapters go here are my chapter list that's my chapter list it's a chapter list Uh oh did we lose her we might we might have lost her hopefully she'll be back yes for once it wasn't me oh wow well i thought it was gonna be me because i'm in south dakota where the internet's terrible it's almost like the shock that erica wrote a chapter list froze the internet like i feel like i broke it by asking that question (laughs) this is on me i'm sorry i didn't know she did a chapter list but it makes sense yeah uh, it's that whole formula writing thing like or if you know you need to be at a certain word count there's like statistics for all this that's where numbers come into handy i appreciate that i appreciate that i didn't really appreciate that until like very recently um you know uh oh, uh oh, I'm the host now. Oh, you're I'm the, the host captain. And we're now. still recording. We are still well, it says recording dot dot dot. Oh. Well, at least it does on my end. Okay. I hope she's coming back. She should. Okay. I mean, it's her meeting. You might have to admit her. One of us. I might might have to admit her. <laughs> it's not awkward. <laughs> you decide if I deign to let you into your own meeting. <laughs> That's okay. We'll let the audio yes. guy decide if he wants to keep all this. Okay. <laughs> and it's our us. interstitial chit chat sort how of. Dear, how dare Val interact <laughs> with the author solo? Oh. So you oh. have your own podcast? Uh, I don't have my own podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. This, this is this is what I do. Okay. And I'm sometimes co host, sometimes I'm not. I, I let everyone choose and then I'm usually the backup person because I'm still living at the in-laws. Hence the blurred background. Hiding, hiding the many boxes and mess behind me. <gasps> oh, she's, she's coming back. 
back. She's back. I'm back. Welcome She's to back. in the mountains in my internet. It's been fun. I hope it was oh, fun. Yeah. It was. We kind of got post now, and we suspect it's still recording, but we don't know. It is still recording the entire time, so I hope you didn't say anything derogatory as you normally do. No, we said nice things about you and how nice cool you are. About you, you can oh, you yeah. can play it back when. You... Yeah, you can listen to it. It's, yeah, it's... I will. trust me, I will listen to it. I you know when I did it. I said I said I didn't know Erica did a chapter list. Chapter list. That's what broke the internet because it was such a shock because that's the most outlining I've ever known you've done. Listen, it's not really a chapter list so much as the guys I want to talk about in the next book. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, but, but it's, I have um, five books in the Randy Michael series mapped out that way of who who gets talked about when, and yeah. So the the next one is the Training of the Tramp, which is the one I'm working on right now. The second book in that series is called Slumming It on Slut Street. And the fourth book is going to be called The Muffin Shop is Closed. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's a line from um, um, Macaulay Culkin. Saved. Saved, thank you. Sorry. I love that. Muffin Shop is Closed. I told you I'm full of movie lines. So is my home on Horror Island. That's from Ron Burgundy. Like, why don't you go back to your home on Horror Island? I was like, I need to make that a book. Yes, you do. (laughs) And I'm glad that you are. That's yeah, perfect. no, it's done. That is done. That particular work of fiction. What happens when you stop looking for Mr. Right and just look for Mr. Right now? That is already published. Yes. So in case you, you I know, love this. I love this. We break all oh my books. God. I want to buy all your books. We like right now. Love that. That would be fantastic. And I'd love to hear what you think. That was my first. So let's talk about your first fangirl moment i call it fangirl i don't care what the gender is of the person but it's when the person because back when the beatles ah, you know Uh let's talk about your first fangirl moment so is this me fangirling over other people or people fangirling over me sure where do you want to start oh my gosh i'm gonna start with um ann m martin the writer of the babysitters club series which i devoured like pancakes when i was whatever age she was doing a book signing uh, at the local library because what? And there was a line out the door of the library and my mom took me and I was standing there. I had my book and she was going to sign it. And I was waiting for Anne M. Martin, my idol, who I dressed up for as Halloween or I dressed up for like Halloween as Anne M. Martin, just like looking at her author picture, putting on like the sweater that she was wearing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'm, I'm, all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's probably fan a whole nother fangirling in and of itself. But I was Jonathan in line. Mayberry's had that experience as the author of an old woman, French woman dressed as him. So it, it's a thing that happens. That's beautiful. That's one we can only hope one day. Mm-hmm. We'll see people in your glasses. Yeah, no, um, I'd love to have people dressed as me in my four horseman shirt. And it's debatable whether you have to have pants on because you know that's that's zoom. Because we're on Zoom and we don't know. Yeah, it's true. Do you see how embarrassed Val is getting right now on the screen for me saying that I'm not wearing pants? Like she is bright red and I'm the one talking about not wearing pants. <laughs> Are you going to talk about pants are optional on a Zoom call? But like, but like it's on topic because we're talking about pantsing. Well, we were. So, so okay. relevant. Okay. So, so you're in line. I'm in line. I've got my book. I'm clutching it close to my chest and I'm having an absolute panic attack. And we move forward one by one and I feel like I'm marching toward my doom, but also I'm really excited. It's like, you know, how do I process this as a child? I am meeting one of my literal heroes. And then, you know, years later, I read that they may or may not have been ghostwritten, but we will talk about that another day. Um, So I get closer and closer to the table and I'm thinking of all these, like, what do I ask her? What do I say? I get up to the table and it's just classic. I freeze, I hand out the book and I just like stare at her in like when Ralphie meets Santa Claus, like just, just blank, no idea what to say. And she's like, what's your name? And I'm like, and she's like, can I make this out to somebody? And my mom's like, her name is Sarah with an H. And I was like, and then (laughs) she signed my book. And we went home and afterwards I was so disappointed in myself 
Cause I wanted to tell her, I think you're amazing. And your books have like saved my life. And how do you, how do you put that into words as like what an eight or nine year old? I don't know. So like this, like this. Yeah. Your, face, <laughs> your Facebook volumes for her. Your, I, I hope it is. I'm struck. I hope okay. she took that home and remembered it forever. Just this little girl, this weird little girl coming up to her and just like, like not being able to handle the moment. So I love that. Okay. So let's talk about the being fan girl. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, and it's really weird to talk about, but, um, I know we were speaking on the right now podcast about if you publish something and we were talking about books specifically, but if you publish kind of anything, if you, you know, have something out there and people like it, um, you're kind of a celebrity a little bit. And so I get invited to conferences to speak. I get invited onto panels as I know both of you do as well. And I've had, it's been incredible. I, I feel like it's a tie between, I had someone come up to me and just start crying and I didn't know what to do. So I just hugged them. And then they asked for their picture with me and they're just like sobbing the whole time. And that was insane, like actually insane. It rattles you. You realize yeah. you make an impact on someone else's life Yeah, by was, sharing yeah. your creative work. Yeah. yeah. Like someone comes up to you and they are sobbing and it's like, what do I do with this? But like, and then um, the other, the other really big fangirl moment that I really, that was really meaningful was my first piece of fan art. Um, I've got a whole bunch of fan art for the Girl in Space podcast over at girlinspacepodcast.com. The first piece I got though was mind shattering. Like someone else making art about your art. There was just, they sent it to me and I, I'm not a crier. Like I never, I like broke down and I was like, somebody sees me, somebody sees my work. And it was freaking magical it was so magical so like that that those are my those are my the two like fangirl moments that really stick out in my mind I think that's awesome and I think not a lot of people realize that as artists we love seeing your interpretation of our stories yes like what did you think they were and what did they mean to you it's like, so I think cool. it affects a lot of people and they don't necessarily reach out to say that it affected them for fear of, I don't, I don't know. But again, authors in general, I'm not saying every single one of us, and I'm sorry if you've had a bad experience, there are people that have had very bad experiences with authors, but we love hearing your stories. We love hearing how it impacted you, good or bad. And I say bad meaning as a horror author, you know, I write mm. stories that don't have happy endings. I get a lot of compliments that the story was great, but they weren't they weren't ready for X to have happened. Like I was actually sitting down with somebody. He came up to me and he's like, I read your anthology. I have an anthology of short stories out. He's like, I read it. I wasn't expecting a suicide in the first story. Mm. And I paused because I was like, you know, and um, he was like, it was amazing. But he's like, it broke me. And I had to go back and read the story again. And I understand why you wrote it. Oh. Because I wrote the story from the perspective of somebody, the person wakes up, I'm not going to give away the whole story. It's called Jimmy. Yeah. And he wakes up and he has failed to kill himself. And his mom's over him. He's in a hospital bed. And the thought he has is he doesn't want to be seeing this. Mm. Like he's having to go through in his mind, a failure on his part. I'm not advocating for suicide and stuff, but this is a genuine thought some people have who are found before they finished their act, mm -hmm. right? Of their doing it. And I hate anybody to lose their life and I want people to have help, but it is, it is a part of life, unfortunately, right? And it is the answer some people truly feel they have, whether it's right or wrong, we can debate that separately, which I'm not going to do this podcast. But he sat there and I literally found myself like not even breathing when he's telling me this. I was sitting there like, oh God, what does this mean? Like, did I, and then he's like, and then I read it again. And I was like, it was a huge compliment to me that he went through and he was like, no, I get it. And I get why the direction and why you went this way with the story and stuff like that. 
and it's a hard thing to face. I think writing things that are not, and as an author, writing things that are not um, socially accepted things, and I say socially accepted by the general populist, right? A cozy romance is a generally accepted thing for some reason that, you know, a billionaire is going to show up who's slightly flawed and see somebody who's slightly flawed and fall in love with them. And they're going to go through, like, there's a whole nothing wrong with the storyline. Must be nice. Um, Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with it, but people go, oh yeah, that could happen. Like, you know, I'm I'm rewatching Once Upon a Time now. I don't care what anybody thinks of me, but I love that show because I love Captain Hook, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah, I love me some Captain Hook. Those storylines are fucking terrible. I can understand this is a much better show to watch with a week interval because when you watch these shows back to back, you're like, how are these people even talking to each other? Right? Like, they're terrible to each other. But you touch on subjects that are, are hard or something that somebody's really had to deal with, there's a way you can do it mm-hmm. that gives honor to the people that have experienced that particular situation yeah. and not take away from the fact that it happened. And mm-hmm. I think that's a skill. And so I'm, now I'm on a tangent, but that was something it. that really, so having somebody come up and cry to you, like that's, that's fucking huge. That's was- huge. And if, if you want to draw a picture or draw a character or show show Valerie don't be afraid to do it. The demonic knight looks like send her a picture. Yes. Do it like send seriously. Tony looks like flattery to you. It's a compliment for somebody to go. This is what a, this character looks like. It means to me. This was my headcanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram book reviewer start messaging me. Uh, and this is over my my VC Willis male male romance, uh, the Princess Priest, and she says, she she's like, I've never read a male male romance like this before. She says, there's no toxicity, there's no like current issue, social issues coming into the fold at all. It's just a fantasy romance with a male male romance. In the What's center. it called again? The Princess Priest. I'm just gonna um, write that down. <laughs> um but you know but to have her message me and want to talk to me as she's reading it and it got to the point that she started just sending and she's from Jamaica so she has this heavy Jamaican accent and she started doing recordings and sending them over because you could record instead of write and she's like girl And, and, but, you know, it's, don't be afraid to reach out to any mm. author. You, you'd you be one shocked at how excited they get and that you can have a conversation. There is nothing more we love to do than geek out and talk about our work, mm. no matter how big or small the author is. I can't mm. tell you spending a whole weekend with John Jackson Miller, how many times one of us or a reader would spark a conversation about Star Trek or Star Wars worlds. And he says, no, no. Let's talk about this. This is something I've thought about. And you just get to geek out with each other for five minutes because we write what we love to also mm. read. You yes. know, when Stephen King and all these other big writers say, read what you write, it's because you, you should already be doing that on some level. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, Girl in Space, you were talking about the exposure and excitement of Star Wars and how that impacted you. Did you go in a deep earning and die for science fiction work or start favoring science fiction over other speculative fiction? Oh my gosh. I still love everything. And like, it's weird because, you know, Girl in Space is is categorized as sci-fi, but like, if you ask me, like it takes place in space and that's kind of the only thing sci-fi about it. It's kind of more like a mystery family drama Um, And it's heavily influenced by the princess diaries, which I read a million years ago. And I know the movie is very silly and terrible, but like, I love those books. They're very punk. They're very like, whatever. So they're terrible necessarily. That's one where people love the movies. Like Mm -hmm. I will say about the movies, I'm not saying they're equal to the book. We're going to get into that whole topic here. Okay. Of things equal to the book, but you know, it's interesting because um, the characters that played in those movies still love those movies. And that says something that says a lot. about a movie is there are a lot of people that do movies and are like, I never want to talk about this movie ever again. It was mm-hmm. done and it's 
going. And I have to say, Anne Hathaway, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was watching a show with Melissa McCarthy, and she's one of the few actresses that appears to really not give a fuck how bad they make her look in a movie. And not mm. she looks bad, but like in this recent show that's on Netflix, her hair looks bleached, but fried bleached. Like you can tell it wasn't like, not, but that's the character is fried bleach that looks like it's been crimped, like all kinds of stuff. And her outfits are just ridiculous. But I love, because a lot of times they try to make a character look not attractive i'm using those in quotation marks but they fail miserably in actually making the character look like it doesn't take itself very seriously or doesn't care like if somebody's going to be the rowdy tomboy they're going to have fucking zero makeup on and i understand you have to have a degree of makeup to shoot but don't then have fucking eyelashes out to here and <laughs> the guy you know liner and all this other shit because if you're a tomboy you don't fucking have that shit like that's the whole point right and Anne Hathaway's character really looked like she needed some cleaning up in the Princess Diaries, which mm-hmm. was the point of that particular, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, we actually have to wrap up. I cannot believe this. We're gonna have to have you back on the podcast. It's been so fast and so delightful. Thank it's you. Okay. We still got literary briefs after this. So oh. yes, we do. I'm very I like excited. how Sal said that. Normally, when she's drunk, she forgets. We had that other episode after this, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh yeah." Oh, well, I'm very aware right now. I'm very aware. Okay, I'm glad you're focused. Okay, so um, Sarah, can you please do some shameless self promotion for us? Uh, be I would love to. Things and where people can find them. I would love to. Uh, you can find all of my stuff out at sarahwerner.com. That's S A R A H W E R N E R dot com. Uh, you can listen to the Right Now podcast. That's W R I T E because puns. You can listen to that out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, literally wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts like this one. Um, and you can also listen to Girl in Space, my fictional audio drama. Uh, season two is coming. You can listen to that out on, again, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. You can also check out uh, all sorts of Girl in Space related things out at girlinspacepodcast.com, including some of the fan art we talked about today. Um, and then you can also follow me on social media at Sarah Ray Werner, S-A-R-E-H-R-H-E-A-W-E-R-N-E-R. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Wunderbar, wunderbar. It was amazing having you on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. I needed an excuse to have some of this wine and a great conversation. So I'm very oh, Well, anytime you need that, you can go out here to do that. Okay. This has been the Drinking Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. Um, our sponsor, again, is Brother Spirits. They've given me a whiskey road, which I don't know how to glasses. Um, DWA10 is the coupon code if you go to skunkbrotherspirits.com. Whatever, Al, I can remember my script. I don't post it. You got it. it. Okay, my co host has been the always interrupting and not at all for the day, Valerie. No, I'm not a fan. You're kind of a big deal, though. That's okay. And our guest has been Sarah Ray Warner, and we will see you guys next time. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.